TII item 228, June 18th, 2012. Less soup for some of you. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Golly! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of whom I am. Today's episode is brought to you by Hover. Please visit tii.hover.com. That's tii.hover.com to get 10% off your domain name registrations. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank John for sending in the music you hear in the background. John wrote, Hi, Rob. The attached song was made entirely with iSequence on my iPhone 4. Regards, John. Thanks, John, for the music. And folks, I'll try to remember to put the full song at the end of the episode. Also, I want to thank Jose for tweeting in the artwork for today's show. Jose tweeted at podcast411. Hey, Rob. I made this with paper on my third gen iPad from I am Jose Perez via Twitter. Well, Jose, thanks again for sending in this artwork. Folks, you can see Jose's artwork in the TI app in the extras for episode 228, or if you subscribe via iTunes as the album artwork, and also as a standalone post in the VIP section. And I'll try to get it up on Google Plus and Facebook as well. If you have some artwork and or music you have created on your iOS device and would like to share it with the audience, please email it to todayinios at gmail.com and make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote with regards to Apple's iPad. Quote, People might be attracted to some of these shiny devices, but technology departments can't afford to support them. If you are giving a presentation and something fails on the software side, it might take four days to get it up and running again. I don't think this race has been run yet. Unquote. Joe Kremer, Dell Australia's Managing Director, June 2012. And really, at this point, you would think everyone at Dell would have seen the memo that says, keep your mouth shut and don't talk about Apple products. It makes us look stupid. But guess that memo didn't make it down under. So thanks, Joe, for an instant how wrong were they quote. For promo codes on episode 227, we offered up chances to win promo codes for the app CinePro. I will give those out in the next day or two. So if you want more info on those apps, go back and listen to the beginning of episode 227 for additional details. As always, if you're an app developer, email me if you want your app featured in the promo giveaway segment. There is never a charge for you, the dev. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com. And please also include a 60-second or less audio review of your app, indicating up front you are the dev. All right, let's get into the news. What the frack? I think that sums up the reaction of anyone with an iPhone 4 that found out that in iOS 6, the long-sought-after feature of turn-by-turn navigation will not be available for them. Neither will other features announced at WWDC for iOS 6, and even more will be missing for the iPhone 3GS. From Apple's site, apple.com forward slash iOS slash iOS 6, features are subject to change. Not all features are available on all devices. Flyover and turn-by-turn navigation will be available only on the iPhone 4S and iPad 2 or later. Siri will be available only on the iPhone 4S and iPad 3 third generation and requires internet access. 
Shared photo streams requires iOS 6 and iPhone 4 or later, or iPad 2 or later, or a Mac computer with OS 10 mountain line. FaceTime over cellular network requires an iPhone 4S or iPad third generation with cellular data capabilities. The VIP list and VIP and flag smart mailboxes will be available on iPhone 4 or later and iPad 2 or later. Offline reading list will be available on iPhone 4 or later and iPad 2 or later. And made for iPhone hearing aids will require iPhone 4S. So when it comes to turn-by-turn -turn directions with iOS 6 and iPhones, only the iPhone 4S and the iPhone 2012 will support turn-by-turn. -turn. iPhone 4 and iPhone 3GS owners, sorry, no soup for you. Which again brings us back to the what the frack phrase is going on with in most people's minds at this point that own the iPhone 3GS or iPhone 4. Clearly, the iPhone 4 and even the 3GS can handle turn-by-turn -turn directions. TomTom, Navigon, and others have been offering up apps that do that for some time now and work great on the 3GS and 4. So the only real and logical reason for Apple to not include it is simply a marketing decision to get you to upgrade early. But really, Apple, if turn-by-turn -turn was what would drive people to upgrade, anyone to upgrade, would they not have upgraded to an Android phone where this feature is standard or on pretty much even the most run-of-the-mill, basic, get-it-free-with-a-two-year contract type Android phone? So Apple, shame on you for not getting turn-by-turn -turn navigation working on the iPhone 4 and 3GS. You know you're still actually selling those devices? Just saying. So quick summary of what you will miss out on for the iPhone 4 and 3GS in iOS 6 iPhone 4 no soup for you features include turn-by-turn -turn navigation, flyover, any Siri features, FaceTime over cellular, really? Really Apple? Made for iPhone hearing aids. Okay, that one's likely a Bluetooth 4 related issue. iPhone 3GS no soup for you features. All those mentioned above for the iPhone 4 or previously for the iPhone 4. Shared photo stream. I guess you can stick with Instagram. VIP list, VIP, and flag smart mailboxes. Again, really Apple? Offline reading list. Really Apple? Clearly, looking at this list, there are features missing from the iPhone 4 and 3GS that can only be explained by one word. Marketing. Expect to read, hear more about this in the months to come. You can also read the blog post. I, I Basically, was what I just read uh, that I put up on today in ios website so go to todayinios.com you can read it there it's right before this episode post posted up which is episode 228 and in there there's a nice chart that has even more features showing that are missing for the other devices the original ipad or should i say the ipad 2 versus the ipad 3 and then uh, what features are missing for the fourth generation ipod touch thanks to thomas in alabama for sending over that nice chart Sticking with the iOS 6 theme, one of the biggest items to come out of the beta is there appears to be changes coming for podcasts. And this has been reported in some cases a little off from what's actually happening. First up, despite what some sites state, if you are subscribed to podcasts and are syncing them from your computer to your iOS device, you can still play them back via the music app. If you do not see the podcast tab in the music app, tap more, then edit, 
then drag down the podcast icon to one of the lower tabs. Per playing back the podcast in the app, the playback features have changed. Before, when you went to the episodes, you had the screen with the show notes and the player controls. At the top, there was a slider for the timeline, and you had a 30-second rewind button under that. The 30-second rewind button in iOS 6 has been removed and replaced with two new options, a 15-second rewind and a 15-second jump forward. I know some other apps out there have had the 30-second jump ahead, so now the 15-second jump ahead forward option is part of iOS 6. Again, in iOS 6, you can still sync up and play back your podcasts. What has changed is that in the iTunes app in iOS 6, podcasts are no longer listed. Searching for today in iOS no longer shows my show. Actually, no podcasts are listed in iTunes on devices running iOS 6. They are still there for those running iOS 5.1 or earlier and are still there in iTunes on your computer. Again, it's just in iOS 6 on an iOS device, in the iTunes app on that iOS device, you no longer see any podcasts listed. The lack of podcasts in iTunes and iOS 6 beta has led many to speculate, or in my case, hope and pray, that Apple will be releasing its own podcast-specific apps similar to Instacast or Downcast or iCatcher or Stitcher or many of the other podcast aggregator apps that are out there. Hopefully that is the case. It would be nice to see Apple have its own podcast-specific app that is pre-installed with iOS and cannot be deleted rather than feeling like podcasting is that ugly redheaded stepchild of the iTunes world. We podcasters could soon have our very own iOS app. That would be so cool. There's also speculation that Apple might create its own podcast creation tools for iOS. This is a little more out there, and even if true, would likely be a separate tool, and I'm not sure where this would fit in or be different from GarageBand, say. As a podcaster and working for the largest podcasting company, this is a bit of news and speculation that is, well, now for me, the most important part of iOS 6, hands down. So uh, more on this in the near future on the show for sure. I wanted to thank today's sponsor, and again, that is Hover. And you can save 10% on domain name registrations and transfers by going to tii.hover.com. That's tii.hover.com. And here's an email I want to read from a listener and new Hover customer. Hi, Rob. Recently, I moved my son's domain, oneofakindco.com, from GoDaddy to Hover. Removing the domain from GoDaddy was like trying to get out of the mafia. The whole experience with them was horrific. Just the fact that they have two websites, one for the domain and one for extra security, was a nightmare. Of course, both with their own set of credentials. Additionally, canceling the services in their account manager system was like pulling teeth. I would cancel something, but it wouldn't go away. And it wouldn't tell me why it didn't cancel. Last but not least is the famous authorization code, which Hover displays clearly on their panel. But GoDaddy has it buried deep into some spreadsheet that one needs to download. All these things are designed to keep customers locked in with them. If this isn't enough reason to leave, then we have their support for SOPA and PIPA. I am happy I was able to move my son's domains to Hover and recommend you don't wait to the last minute to leave GoDaddy and that you take advantage of Hover's white glove service. I did it on my own, but now see why they offer such a service and it's free of charge. Simply amazing. Regards, Sergio S. Thanks, Sergio, for the feedback. 
Yes, if you're looking to transfer domains to Hover, especially if they are currently with GoDaddy, make sure you use the Hover Concierge service. It made the transfer very easy when I did it, uh, and it's free to use. Just remember to mention the promo code TII if you want to get 10% discount when doing the transfers, and that's because you have to pay for one-year registration going forward. So transfer is free, but you do have to add an additional year of registration on whenever you bring it uh, over a domain, and you do not lose any previous years of registration that you have. So it's just an added an extra year onto any domain you currently have. Again, if you go to tii.hover.com, you'll see the number to call at the top of the screen. Again, Hover, thank you so much for sponsoring this show. Into the email bag we go. And first up is some feedback from devs that don't mind that whole NDA thing. And that is per feedback on the new iOS 6 beta. Thanks, guys, and your emails have been shredded, or will be after I read the good parts. First up is feedback from Kay in Canada. He writes, or she, the following. Hi, Rob. A friend of mine put my iPhone UDID on his dev list, iOS 6. Wow. Not only is Siri finally working Canada, as it was in the U.S. for iOS 5, but working with all that was said at WWDC 2012. Tried Siri to look up movies. Unfortunately, it only has, or it seems to have, just three of Montreal's movie theaters. Map with Siri directions is U.S. only. Probably Canada will get more as the update the beta. Hope it does not take a year like Siri did to finally find places to go to and eat in Canada. The battery sucks. Standby is great, but to use the iPhone uh, causes a low battery rather quickly. On Passbook, it seems apps need to upgrade for it to work. They should make it that you can scan printed barcodes for it and or with the camera snap a pic and forward it to the iPhone for apps that don't update. Regards, K in Canada. Hey, Rob, this is Johnny Appleseed from Nowhereland. Uh, I don't want to give my real name, but I do want to give you a quick review on the new uh, iOS 6 beta. It's good, but, you know, I heard something on Twitter, I don't know who said it, that said it perfectly, that said that uh, it's evolutionary, not revolutionary. And, you know, I, I got to agree with that. It's, it's got some minor updates, and some of the apps, like Maps, is amazing because... I thought Maps on the iPhone was horrible. But other than that, you know, it's not all that great. I mean, the App Store and the iTunes Store look great. Well, gentlemen, thank you for the feedback. And I have to agree with Johnny there at the end, at least part of what he was saying. It's an evolutionary update. It's not a revolutionary update. It's not one you need to be paying anybody to get access to early. I know people have done that before. I really don't see a reason why you would do that now. So, again... Evolutionary, not revolutionary. Most of the new updates you can find equivalents to if you jailbreak. And I guess I should add, or so I've been told because it would be wrong of me to review the beta on the show. But if I was reviewing the beta on the show, hypothetically speaking, I would note that this beta seems much more stable than past betas, at least for the very first beta. So at least in iOS 6, it seems to be more stable and further along than where iOS 5, the first beta, and iOS 4, the first beta, and iOS 3, the first beta were. Well, between now and October or September, whenever iOS 6 launches and the next iPhone is announced, we'll be going over new features each week. One item lost in this week's or last week's WWDC announcements and news was that Apple introduced a smart case. 
This is a new smart case for the iPad that also covers the back of the iPad. This is nice for those with the new iPad that wanted the features of the smart case, but were also looking for protection of the back of the iPad. This is where my wife falls with the iPad cases. She wanted something that protected the back as well as the front from scratches and dings while it's in her purse. You know, Apple, you might have wanted to get that out before Mother's Day. Just saying. One of the other new features in iOS 6 beta is the privacy option in settings. This is now in the group with general, sound, brightness, and wallpaper. When you click on privacy, it takes you to a menu with five options. Location services, contacts, calendars, reminders, and photos. Location services is what you see today in the settings app as its own item. The other four items are basically lists of the apps that have requested and you have given permission to access to those items, which again are contacts, calendars, reminders, and photos. This is Apple's way of making it very easy for you to see which apps you have given permission to get access to your private info. Kudos to Apple for this addition. And of course, apps still do need to ask for permission and you need to say yes. This just makes it easy for you to see all the times you said yes without thinking about it. This way in the future when you're looking through which apps requested your contact information and you see some free app that's a game, you might go, hmm, I'll turn that off. This next one is about iOS 6 Maps and TomTom. Seems right after WWDC, TomTom acknowledged there was an agreement with Apple, or so said TomTom's spokesman, Taco Titulaire, or would that be so said Taco Titulaire spokesman for TomTom? Well, either way, Taco Titulaire said he expects Apple's relationship with TomTom to be deeper than the one they have with Samsung, RIM, and Google. And if I could figure a way to get another quote from Taco, I would just so I could say the greatest name of a spokesman for any company I have ever heard, Taco Titulaire. I have to just add that name now to my name hall of fame along with Bain Steele and Dixie True. In the let's talk real fast and get through this next story as fast as possible so we can talk about something hopefully much more interesting. We have a report from Chiquita about tablet traffic. And guess what? The iPad still kicks everyone's butt up one side of the spreadsheet and down the other. With over 91% of traffic from June 4th to June 10th, be it that's less than the 94.6% when measured in May. The Kindle Fire, which some said is the second best selling tablet in the past six months, well, its traffic is less than 1% of the iPads. So much for surfing the web on a seven inch tablet. Just saying. And done file this next one under you better act fast before apple yanks it category and those of you that have the ti app would have received a push on this earlier today yesterday monday the 18th depending on your perspective it is about the old jailbreak app display recorder that has made its way to the itunes app store this is one of those apps that are great to have if you're an app dev it allows you to record a screen capture video of you using your iphone or your app on your iPhone. In theory, this is supposed to be against the Apple rules, and it is likely this just slipped through, or may even be it may even be pulled by the time you hear this. Or maybe, just maybe, Apple's allowing this app into the App Store because they wanted to let most of the devs get a chance to download it now so they would have one less reason to jailbreak later on. This app works best if just recording video 
and also best when you select screen capture mode versus direct access. Direct access is the default, so change that to screen capture. In screen capture mode, you can kind of see where you tapped the screen or at least see the reaction from buttons. The app is just $1.99. It is not perfect, but for doing screencast tutorials of your app, it is nice to know you can now have a non-jailbreak option. And yes, this app works for the iPad as well. The app is called Display Recorder, two words, and as of the recording of this show was still in the App Store, surprisingly. Hi, Rob. This is Jacob from Indiana, and I'm just commenting on my thoughts on if the new iPhone were to have the smaller dock connector. First, uh, when I first saw the pictures, I was furious. I thought, how could they do this? Like you, I have built up a plethora of dock connectors over the years, different accessories, etc., etc., and spent a decent amount of money on it to where if I had to change, obviously it won't render those useless anymore because of all the devices that can still use them, which I still own right now, but still, it would be kind of frustrating. After I thought about it for a little while, I realized if it doesn't happen in this iPhone, iteration it is obviously going to have to happen at some time they want to make the phone as smaller thin and light as possible and it's only going to be a matter of time before the dock connector gets smaller so i figured why not deal with it now instead of later because another year or two down the line i'm just going to have that many more of the 30 pin dock connectors what I would like to see, though, is some sort of accessory that comes with the phone that's not an aftermarket purchase that can you can hook the 30-pin into the new dock connector, which, knowing Apple, it probably won't come with the phone. It'll probably be another $29.99 add-on, but we'll see about that. Also, I first was also furious about them putting the headphone jack at the bottom, too. It just didn't seem to make sense to me but now once I think about it and I use my iPhone in my car to listen to the TII podcast which I have the you know tape deck with the goes into the headphone jack and then when I have the charger coming out and it's just wires everywhere craziness so I guess the headphone jack too would make more sense coming out the bottom. Like you, I do hope that the pictures we're seeing online are not the new iPhone. Not because it doesn't look cool, nice, or everything else. Just because I really like to be surprised when these new products come out. I hate the rumor mill ruining it for everybody three, four months in advance. Which is why I, I generally try and, when I see stuff like that on the internet, steer clear. So, alright, thanks. Bye. Jacob, thanks for the feedback. Last episode, I had asked people if they would update to the new iPhone 2012 version if it had the smaller dock connector. And the responses were pretty much no. I mean, there was a couple people that kind of were like Jacob. They were on the fence and kind of trying to justify it. But most people were just no. Let me read some of the feedback. Hi, Rob. No, I would not end my 4S contract early. I can see Apple's endeavor from the business side of things to make more money with new docking and accessories regards Valerie. Hi, Rob. I will wait for the 2013 phone unless some tragic ending comes to the current device of mine early. Regards, Mike. Hi, Rob. As to the question as to whether I would buy a new iPhone with only LTE added and the smaller dock, 
My answer is no. I'm very happy with what I have. Apple will have to add a lot more to the phone before I will pay to break the contract I have now with AT&T. Regards, Harvey from Huntington Beach. Hi, Rob. I am with you. I have a lot of 30-pin stuff with two iPads, three iPhones. There's no way I'm going to update early to have to buy all new accessories. LTE is not a big draw for me. I would have to think hard about updating my hardware even when I'm eligible. Regards, Mark. Hi, Rob. If the new iPhone 2012 is bigger, i.e. the fit in your hand, or changes its dock connector, then there is not a chance in beep that I will get the new iPhone. Just like you, I have too many items that use the current 30-pin dock connector, car cradle, car radio interface, iPhone cases, Kickstarter projects funded. No way in frack, pardon the sci-fi curse words, that I'm going to update. Regards, Thomas in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Hey, Rob, it's Kevin Crossman from Fremont, California. With regards to your question, no, a small dock connector would not prevent me from upgrading my iPhone if I felt like the new features were important or desirable, such as a bigger screen or some other features along those lines, better camera. LTE in and of itself would not be one of those features that would force me to uh, want to upgrade. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I wouldn't mind it, but I certainly wouldn't go out of my way to pay extra for it or get a new device. But my use of my iPhone is basically limited to just plugging in for power, so a, a new dock connector wouldn't really bother me. I'm not invested in a series of docks and speakers and all the other things that might be problematic for other people. Keep up the great work on the show. And, well, there were more, but I think you get the picture. Overall, people didn't want to upgrade if there was a new dock connector. A couple would, or a couple people said that wouldn't be the deciding factor, but I think much more people said it would be the deciding factor. I was trying to figure out all the devices I had with 30-pin connectors and 30-pin docks, and it's well over 30 devices, two iPods, four iPhones, two iPads, multiple battery cases, a Bose dock, four other speaker docks, four Apple docks, countless cords and connectors, some stuff for the uh, my cars, and more. I need to get them all together for a picture. I am 100% locked in on the 30-pin ecosystem. And unless the iPhone 2012 does something mind-blowing, there's pretty much zero chance I would upgrade early and pay the fee to upgrade early. At best, my next iPhone would be the iPhone 2013. And again, if it has a non-30-pin connector, even then I would have to question the upgrade. And this comes from a guy that can write off these devices on his taxes. So I'm guessing the next iPhone, at least in the U.S., will not have the sales Apple and the investor community was looking for if, and that's a big if, if they change the dock connector. Again, we should point out it's not Apple that said, has said anything about changing the dock connector. It was originally Renee over at iMore that said, that said he thinks or has a, um, a prediction or an inside source that the iPhone 2012 was going to have a different dock a connector, that is. And then there are the supposed leaks of components for the iPhone 2012. Um, if these are real, indicate, again, a different size dock connector. But at this time, it's all rumor and speculation. Hi, Rob. This is Jesse in Los Angeles calling in with an app review for an app called iCatcher. This is a podcast player, or catcher, that I use to download my 
podcasts and then play them back at a later date. I got it because I had to switch over from an unlimited data plan to a 4 gigabyte data plan, and I didn't want to burn through all of my data listening to podcasts via Stitcher. A few of the features that I found very useful are the fact that the playback and the download options are very customizable to your needs. On the downloads, you can set it for how often to update or check for new updates. Um, episodes. You can set it to never automatically download, to automatically download only when you're in Wi-Fi, to always automatically download, to download only when you're in Wi-Fi. I use it by automatically downloading when I'm in Wi-Fi. I can also manually download anything that I want to. So if something didn't download or if I find a new podcast I want to try out, then I can manually download these if I want to. You can also set it to play back at 3 quarters speed, at regular speed, at 1.25x speed, at 1.5x speed, and at 2x speed. It also pulls all show notes and artwork from um, podcasts. So every time you put out a new episode, I see the artwork for that episode. It supports both audio and video podcasts and allows you to put your podcasts into a playlist. So every time a new episode of a particular podcast downloads, it will automatically go into whichever playlist you've assigned it to. I know that many of these features are features that are found in the TII app, which I did buy because I wanted to get the push notifications, and I also don't find the show notes via iCatcher very useful. But I really like having all of my podcasts in one place. I like being able to put them into playlists, and I like being able to save anything that I haven't listened to. So if a new episode or a few new episodes of a podcast come out and I haven't listened to it for a while, they will stay there until I listen to them. So I don't miss any of those older episodes. I can download all episodes of a new podcast that I found and listen to them straight through. So anyway, I really like the app and I would definitely recommend it to anybody who likes listening to podcasts, even if you do have an unlimited data plan. And if you don't have an unlimited data plan, it's really great because, again, you can download via Wi-Fi and it will pretty much automatically do it every single day. Anyway, that's all. Bye-bye. Jesse, thanks for your review of iCatcher. Folks, you can find a link to iCatcher in the show notes over at todayinios.com or in the extras in the TII app. Um, but anyway, if you have a favorite app you want to send in a review on or maybe even not-so-favorite app, Give us a call, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or record the review on your iOS device and email to me at todayinios at gmail.com. This next story is a Kickstarter project, and I am sad to say likely will not get funded, as they are just 50% of their goal. Actually, they are um, 33% of their goal with less than 24 hours to go. The window closes on June 19th at 4.36 p.m. Eastern Time. What is the project that I am talking about? It is Arctic Flight. Two words, Arctic Flight. And it is a $75 case for your iPad that mounts around a tray table on an airplane so that you can watch the iPad at close to face level when the table tray is closed. They had a goal of 60000 and we're at about 20 k 
when this was recorded. By the way, 20K is nothing to sneeze at for a funding amount. And I think this may be a case where the guys behind the project just set their funding goal too high. I've definitely seen an increase in the funding goals since the Pebble got 10 million. If you're doing a Kickstarter project, do everything you can to get your funding goal as low as possible. Remember, it does not matter if you raise 20K or 99.9K. If your funding goal is greater than what you raise, you get nothing. Zip, nada, no soup for you. So please keep the funding goals low. If people like your project, they will not stop funding it once you hit your goal, as was the case with the Pebble, which had like a 100K funding goal and went to 10 million. Thanks to Tash for the following item, which is essentially about the Waz, as in Steve Wozniak. And he was dissing Siri. Essentially, he was complaining that prior to Siri being purchased by Apple, he found the Siri app more useful than it is today. Before, he could ask Siri, what are the five biggest lakes in California? And it would spit out the correct answers. Today, not so much. And actually, not even close. Same with questions about asking Siri, what is the prime numbers greater than 87? Before, it would give you an answer. And today, it just gives you the option for web searches. So I think the three biggest complaints I've heard about Siri are one, it wasn't working because the servers were tied up. Two, it wasn't working because someone lived in a country where it didn't work. And three is what Waz was saying. They had Siri before, and now they feel it kind of was neutered. All I can say is I didn't have Siri before, so I can't compare it. I just hope that when iOS 6 comes out and is fully released, that Siri has some additional features. The biggest one that I want Siri to be able to do is play podcasts. So hopefully there is a podcast app coming and Siri will be able to control that app and I'll be able to say, play Mac OS Ken or play WTF with Mark Marin. We'll see. Thanks again goes to Tash for the heads up on this next one, which is an article that goes over the headache, nightmare, I guess would be a better phrase, nightmare that many devs of Android apps face in doing their testing. One dev company out there actually tests on about 400 different Android devices. Can you imagine doing testing on 400 different Android devices on each and every version of the app? Wow. Talk about forcing you to update a lot less often. Yikes. But like I said before, sometimes it is best to develop just for iOS and spend the time and effort you would have spent on a port and testing of your current app for Android on the development of a new app for iOS. Again, just matters if your app is a social type app where you need to be on both platforms or if it is a game or utility where you're just looking to maximize sales revenue. The latter likely makes sense for now to just stay with iOS. That is where the real sales are. Hey Rob, this is Jim from Orlando. I just wanted to call in this week with a music app review. The name of the app is called Songza, S-O-N-G-Z-A. It is a free app in the App Store, and I believe it's the number one app in the App Store as of today. Uh, this app is pretty unique in the way that it was created. The makers of the app have organized the music into thousands of playlists, and when you log into the app, you can go into the music concierge service and based on the day and the time of day, the app will give you music based on different activities you may be doing. 
For example, tonight, there's music for love and romance, uh, bedtime, cooking, reading, unwinding after a long day, etc. So you pick the activity that fits what you're doing, and then it'll give you several different playlists based on the genre of music that you like. So it's pretty interesting. It's a lot of fun. They also have another uh, section called Explore, where if you want to go into different decades of music, you can go all the way back to the 1930s and listen to different decades of music. Uh, Or if based on the mood that you're in, it'll recommend different playlists based on what kind of mood you're in. As you're listening to the music, you have the option to thumbs up or thumbs down the music, and it'll learn what type of music you like, and based on that, it will recommend more playlists for you. You also have the ability to follow your friends if they have the app, and you can see what their playlists are and listen to their playlists as well. So it's pretty neat. It's got some pretty neat social media features, and it's been a lot of fun kind of rediscovering some older music that I remember listening to 15, 20 years ago. So again, it's called Songza, S-O-N-G-Z-A, and hope you enjoy it. Thanks. Jim, thanks for the review. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. Looking for suggestions from you on two things. One, do you have a recommendation for a car FM modulator for the iPhone 4S? Tried a few, but they all have terrible sound quality. Ideally, it would grab audio and charge the phone via the dock connector. Some versions charge via a dock connector and also use a headphone mini jack to port the audio. Two, I'd like to have a second number for my iPhone. I know most people say go do this via Google Voice, but I already have a Google Voice number pointed to my cell phone, and Google only allows a mobile number to be pointed uh, to used once in conjunction with any Google Voice products. So I'm looking at apps like Line 2 or Second Line. I'm curious if you have any suggestions or recommendations for an app that gives you a phone uh, other or a phone another number. Thanks for all you do. Regards, David. Hi, David. Uh, for the first one, when I use an FM modulator, I use an old four-channel one from Radio Shack that plugs into the headphone jack. Either that, or I just use a Bluetooth speaker like the Supertooth speaker. So I guess I'm not the best person to ask on this. As such, I'll send it out. That question and your other question about another alternative for extra phone number beyond Google Voice and Line 2, which, by the way, Line 2 would have been what I would have recommended. Uh, If anyone can help David out, please give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Back into the email bag. Hey, Rob, I wanted to give you a heads up on the game Plague, Inc. It was the top paid app in the App Store. It is such a fun, unique game that actually requires you to be semi-smart. The object of the game is to infect the world and eventually kill everyone, but they come up with a cure. It's addicting, and it requires a lot of planning and strategy. Buy it. It's worth the money. Enjoy. Regards, Holly W. Hi, Holly. Sounds like you need to be an evil to win at this as well. So you need to be an evil genius. But then I kind of would be looking out for Agent P to come and give me a good butt-kicking. Anyway, thanks for the heads up on Plague, Inc. Hi, Rob. This is Steve from Houston. And I got a jailbreak question. Is there any Cydia tweak that is available that will allow me to copy the text from a notification 
into the clipboard. Basically, I'd like people to pull down the notification center, tap and hold a notification, and then given the option to copy to clipboard. If you know of any such thing, I would, like, I would sure like to know. Thanks, and enjoy your show. Bye. Hi, Steve. To answer your question, I cannot answer your question because I looked through Cydia and could not find an app that matched up to what you're looking for. So I'm going to throw this one out to the audience. If anyone knows of an app, or I should say a tweak, a Cydia tweak, that allows for you to copy out the information in a notification, please let us know. 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOONDOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Back into the email bag. Hey Rob, this Cydia app looks like it's something that would be of a lot of interest to your listeners. It is a free jailbreak tweak called Banner Disable, one word, Banner Disable, one word. Regards, Levi in Riverside, California. Hi Levi. Thanks for the heads up on Banner Disable. This app allows you to turn off banner notifications from all your apps in one toggle switch action. So for all of those of you that are waiting for iOS 6 to be officially launched for the new Do Not Disturb feature, well, this does part of that, at least with regards to push messages. Next up, seems that a Russian hacker has figured out how to get 3D flyover maps on an iPhone 4. Jailbroken iPhone 4 running iOS 6 beta, that is. Oh, by the way, they already jailbroke the iOS 6 beta. Guess I should have mentioned that before. So, per all the features in iOS 6 that will not work on the iPhone 3GS and iPhone 4, while Apple likely restricted many just for marketing reasons, it likely will have the unintended result in getting even more and more people with those devices to look at jailbreaking. So, once again, Apple helps push jailbreaking. Now, per the jailbreaking of the iOS 6 beta, I'm not going to go into this at all, but there is a link in the show notes titled, quote, How to Jailbreak iOS 6 Beta, unquote. This is not something that I recommend, but if you are a dev of jailbroken apps, I can see why this would be of interest to you. Go to the show notes over at todayinios.com for episode 228. And some good news for unlockers that had upgraded their baseband's and need to unlock well, at least for the iPhone 3G and 3GS owners, that is. You can now use Red Snow to downgrade so that you can unlock your 3G or 3GS. Look for the link titled Dev Team Blog 0615 Fun. That link is in the show notes for item 228 over today on iOS.com or in the show notes links list in the TII app. Just look for that little E in the episode play screen. Hi Rob, Andy calling from Orange County. I had a question on the AT&T unlock in conjunction with jailbreaking. Um, my contract window expires in October, and I was wondering if at that time I can have AT&T unlock my phone, which I assume will break my jailbreak, and then re-jailbreak back to 511 and have a thus jailbroken and unlocked phone via the official AT&T unlock at that time. Is that possible? I'm assuming by then we'll be on version 6, so I would have to archive 511 somehow as well as the um, you know the jailbreak version so I can deploy that knowing that it's uh, up in the future. So any thoughts on that would be much appreciated. Thank you. Hi Andy. Per what you'll be able to do with iOS 6 and jailbreaking come October, 
There's no way to know on that. Uh, so all I can do is tell you what you can kind of do today. And today, you would be able to unlock and jailbreak at 5.1.1. So you need to make sure you download the ISPW file for 5.1.1. And then also make sure you download the Green Poison and the Absence 2.0.4, whatever the latest version of that is. So get the jailbreak app, download that, get the IPSW file, and download that for 5.1.1. And then hopefully you can use those later on when you get unlocked for you to be able to then jailbreak and have an official unlock. Hey Rob, this is Jacob from Indiana again. Uh, I actually had a, a couple more quick things I wanted to add. First, I did download your book, the uh, Podcasting 101 for the new iPad, which was great. Very helpful. I'm still trying to figure it all out. Uh, I did have a question though about that. Do you write another book or something where I could learn about video podcasting? Uh, I realized the, the book that you wrote was all about audio and I'm kind of interested in doing a video podcast or if you have any recommendations out there on how to learn how to do a video podcast, where to look for that. Also, I've noticed on my iPhone 4S, when I plug it into my laptop when iTunes comes up, and you know, when you're looking under the device section of what you have plugged in, where it shows everything that's being used up on your memory on your phone, there's a section in yellow called Other, and I cannot figure out where that memory is going. I have the 32 gigabyte iPhone 4S, and as of right now, I have 11.2 gigabytes used up in this other area. Uh, I went on some Apple forums to see what they said there, and everyone said it was your contacts, your notes, and your cache from the uh, your browser. So I went and cleared my cache, cleared my history, I deleted all the notes I wasn't using, totally trimmed everything down on my phone, transferred all my photos over to my laptop, and still... 11.2 gigabytes is being used up. I cannot figure out where this memory is being used at, so maybe if you know, you can help me out with this. Thanks again for a great podcast. Hi, Jacob. Thanks again for the voicemail message. Now, two questions you had there. One was about, do I have anything on video podcasting? And the answer is no. I try to concentrate mostly on the audio side. Um, but that said, most of the tutorial I had in there on Podcast 101 as far as the hosting and RSS feed and submitting to iTunes and different directories, all that works for video. It's really more what you need to learn is how to create the video file. iMovie on a Mac is what I would recommend. Export to iPod settings using QuickTime Pro and upload that file 640 by 360, 640 by 480. Uh, when you're doing a podcast, you want your video files to be H.264 M4V. And again, 640 by 360, 640 by 480. Don't do HD video for podcasting. Nothing says my ego is too big to contain like a 1080p HD video of two guys sitting there on camera talking. That is a total waste of bandwidth. For your second question on the other and what you're using, go to your settings app, go to general, go to usage, and then look at what each app is using. It's going to be used by some of the apps that you have. So just go down all the different apps and see where your 11 gig is being used. Most likely it's gonna be documents and files for many of the different apps that you have on your iOS device. But again, go to settings, general usage, 
and you can see where the other is being used, along with music and movies and other things like that. Into the email bag we go. Hey, Rob, I was wondering if you or the TII listeners know how to set up an AirPrint PDF printer. My problem is that I keep finding websites with articles or info that I want to convert to PDF to view, save, or print later. I come up with a number of temp solutions, including sending to Instapaper or using an app called Print Central Pro. But I've wanted for a while now to be able to print to PDF from my iPad, and I'm wondering if there is a way of setting up an AirPrint PDF printer that would work with the print feature in Safari. Any ideas regards, Jesse? Hi, Jesse. There used to be an app called Print PDF that did exactly what you wanted, but it has been removed from the App Store. One app I have heard good things about is the app PDF Printer for iPad. It is $5.99 in the App Store. Make sure to read up on what it can do and check out their website as well. There is also PDF Printer for iPhone that's just $2.99. Uh, And both were still in the App Store as of the recording of this show. If anyone else has a favorite app for printing to PDF or know of one where you can set it up as an AirPrint to PDF, please let us know, especially, again, if it is one that the iPad will think is an AirPrint printer. Hey, Rob, it's barely. On the calendar app, if you change time zones, no matter if you have time support on or off, all your contacts, it ships. So let's say you were in Chicago and you put down an appointment you have when you're going to go to New York. It would jump ahead an hour once you hit the time zone change. Do I'm not sure if you or anyone in the audience either knows how to do this or if there's an app, either jailbroken or not, that will just make the calendar like a calendar, saying, okay, at 3 o'clock, I don't care where I am in the world, at 3 o'clock, I want this. Or at 3 o'clock, I'm getting a haircut. And you change time zone six times. So it's not jumping all over your calendar. Is there a way to do that? Thanks for the help. And hopefully I'm not confusing everyone. Bye. Hi, Barely. What you really want to do here is turn off time zone support. So turn it off on your computer. Turn it off on your iOS device. If you have a Mac, go into iCal, turn off time zone support. Matter of fact, I think by default it's already off. And on your iOS device, turn off time zone support. I think by default it's on. So get them both turned off. And then when you sync, then it's going to stay at that time that you entered it. If you entered it at 3 p.m., it's 3 p.m. local time for you. So just remember to turn off time zone support. But it's also really important when you set up calendar items that you're setting them up for the time that it's going to be in that time zone. So if you are in central time zone and you have a meeting at 1 p.m. on Friday when you're going to be in the East Coast, make sure you put it in at 1 p.m. in your calendar, even though it really is 12 p.m. central time. But remember, your meeting is going to be 1 p.m. Eastern time. Set your meeting up as 1 p.m. in your calendar. All right, back into the news. I think I kind of sort of mentioned this one in the past. Well, part of the story. A former marketing exec at AT&T was arrested for insider trading. That was the original story. The new part is he just pleaded guilty. Alnor Abraham, 57, of Georgia, pleaded guilty of supplying insider info to the investment community from 2008 to 2010. 
This info was used by the investment community to help in their trading. What was that info? It was non-public sales numbers for iPhones and RIM Blackberries at AT&T. Yes, he sold info that basically told investors to buy Apple and sell RIM. He did not, however, admit to saying the sky is blue or that it gets hot in Atlanta in the summer. By the way, the inside investors paid Abraham more than $180,000 for the info. Yeah, money well spent. Today, Microsoft, well, today as in Monday, June 18th, Microsoft introduced the Surface, which is their tablet. The best feature appears not to be part of the tablet, but rather its case, a magnetically attached case. Hmm, where did we hear of that before? But what is special about the super thin case is that it has a full keyboard built right in it. Beyond that, not much else to see. And actually much was not seen at all, like the actual resolution of the screen and most importantly, the price, which Microsoft only said would be comparable to ARM type tablets if it for the lower end one and comparable to basically netbooks for the higher end one. Actually, there are multiple versions, like I just said. Uh, the top end allows you to run full Windows 8 and apps. Of course, I think that is the version they mentioned has vents on it. And did we mention no mention of battery life? So yes, two of the biggest strengths of the iPad, price and battery life. Yeah, nothing on that front. So the question is, will this go the way of the Xbox 360 or the Kin and the Zune? Just for reference, the Zune and Ken were competing with Apple products. The Xbox 360 was not. Just saying. I want to thank Chris in London for the heads up on Display Recorder. It was his ping or email that let me know about the app in the App Store so I could send out the push before it was gone, if it is gone now. It was still there at the beginning of this recording. Anyway, thanks, Chris, for all the help you do with this show. I want to thank Hover again for sponsoring today's show. Go to tii.hover.com. That's tii.hover.com to save 10% on your domain name registrations and transfers. For those of you that have purchased the TI app and were trying to get the TII app to work and have done the latest update and it's crashing on you, you need to delete the TII app from your iOS device and from your computer. Delete it from both resync the devices, then re-download the TII app. Make sure you use the same iTunes account that you use to purchase it. It will not charge you again. So as long as you're using the same iTunes account, re-download it, resync it back to your iOS device, and it should open then. Small number, very small number of people have reported issues where it was crashing. So again, if you are one of those and you're hearing this some other way, just want to give you that heads up. As always, if you have any tips, tricks, comments, questions, app reviews, anything you want to talk about on the show with the audience, give us a call, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or record it on your iOS device and email to me at todayinios at gmail.com. Until the next time, I'm your host Rob from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I.
or so said Tom Tom spokesman Taco Titular. No, Titular. 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 Tom Tom spokesman Taco Titular. Who names their kid Taco? Jeez, I'm going to name my son Hamburger. Anyway, so said Tom Tom spokesman Taco Titular. Or would that be so said Taco Titular? Titular. Titular. Oh, well. Hey, Rob. I wanted to give you the heads up on the game Plaque Inc. Plaque Inc. Okay. Plague Inc. Plaque Inc. Yes. The evil overlord, Gingivitis. You have to fight and kill him.
Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different.